On this episode of the Wellward Way podcast, we discuss migraines and ask why no one is looking at the neck in these chronic headache patients. Welcome to the Wellward Way podcast, where we empower our community by demystifying pain, both physical and emotional, to give you the tools that you need for optimal health. Hi, I'm Dr. Donish, Medical Director of Wellward here in Lexington, Kentucky, and I'm here with my co-host, Dr. James Escaloni. Good morning. And we're talking about headaches. So headaches are always a frustrating problem both for patients and providers because it is such a nebulous problem. We've got some theories as to why people get headaches, but that's that's all they are is theories. There's some new medications that can help quite a bit, but at Wellward, we're always asking why does pain exist? And when it comes to headaches, one of the more neglected reasons that people get headaches is actually originating from neck pain. Now, James, why would a headache be the result of a neck problem? Because our necks are tiny and there's bowling balls that are on top of that. That's the first thing that comes to mind. Yeah, well, head bone is connected to the neck bone, right? Oh yeah, well, that's the next simple explanation. It's the next closest thing, right? Right, so there's a few different reasons why neck pain can lead to headaches. The first is that the joint between your head and your neck is actually quite an integral part of our body because there's a lot of nerve endings in that area and a lot of muscles that are interwoven with the nerves that go into the head. Like if you ever look at an anatomy picture, you'll see that the second cervical vertebrae has a very prominent dorsal fin is what I call it. It's the spinous process or the bone that comes sticking outwards or backwards. That bone is the anchor point to a large number of muscles that go down the neck and stabilize both head positioning as well as head rotation and movement. Now, woven into the muscles of that area is the occipital muscle. The occipital muscle, or sorry, (laughs) the occipital nerve, it's a nerve that goes to the back of the head and it gives you sensation to the majority of your scalp, the top part of your head. If those muscles are having to work overtime to create stability where other structures are normally holding things in place, then it can put a stress or a strain on that occipital nerve. And over time, that strain can develop into a patterned behavior or patterned nerve. We don't realize this, but you know, when you were learning your ABCs, the reason that you're able to retain that is because you develop nerve connections and those that sequence of wiring is what helps us remember that it's A, then B, then C. Well, the same thing happens in our peripheral nervous system when if I were to say, for instance, take James's arm and start poking at it, ow, <laughs> then over time, even if I didn't create any injury to the tissue, even if the muscle didn't bruise, he would still become increasingly sensitive in that one spot. In fact, so much so that even when I rub my hand against his skin like this. Ooh, that's not so bad. But if I were to poke him for, let's say, the next hour and I did the same thing, he would be like... Ow, that's annoying. Yeah, so (laughs) the skin would sensitize over time. And it's because our nervous system is designed 
to adapt to any kind of stimulus that's coming in. So if, for instance, our occipital nerve is constantly being tugged on by the muscles around it because they're overworked or uh, trying to compensate for other injuries, then as time goes on, that nerve's threshold for firing or the threshold for it to signal problematic activity becomes lower and lower and lower. So it becomes like a hair trigger that then sets off this domino cascade resulting in a headache. Mm-hmm. Now the, the question that you might ask is, why does that happen in the, in the first place? James, why would a muscle be working excessively in the neck? Well, there's a bunch of reasons why that could be happening. One thing is just, do they have a different work environment? Are they using their neck into a different posture? And so that neck is now having to make that muscle be contributing a little differently. That's one simple thing. Another component is if somebody has a neck injury and some sort of neck injury that made the ligaments a little bit more loose, then all of a sudden that little bit of extra looseness, the muscles have to fire up a little bit tighter. And these injuries to those ligaments, they can happen just years ago. And then you're okay for a bit as you recover, but then those little bits of muscle tension over time can develop and make some changes. Easy to find on a physical exam. Yeah, what we often forget is that our aging body develops wrinkles on the outside, and those wrinkles take place on the inside as well, meaning the connective tissue of our body is losing certain types of collagen, so it's becoming softer and more pliable. It's the reason that you pinch, if I pinch my six-year-old or seven-year-old niece's cheek, she'll hate that I missed her age. Uh, (laughs) It's it's supple. It's like, you know, it bounces right back. Mm -hmm. If I were to pinch my dad's cheek, it would just kind of hang there. I'm sorry, dad. (laughs) (laughs) Collagen's a little different. (laughs) And so... When, if you were to have an injury in your neck, let's say it was just a kind of a, a minor fall and you strained your neck in a certain direction, well, what happens in that situation is you develop small, tiny tears in the, the fibers of the ligaments and even some of the tendons of your neck. But if you did that when you were in your, say, 20s, your, your body is so resilient and so rapidly healing that it layers down very quickly scar tissue that holds that injury in place. And over time, what's intended to happen is you stretch and strain that enough times and it breaks down the collagen or that fibrous scar and it starts to layer in linear pillars that that have the same resiliency and strength as normal ligament tissue. But as we age, what happens is our capacity for that kind of repair slows down so your body gets kind of lazy. And rather than putting down healthy new tissue it just becomes okay with whatever scar tissue there is to hold it in place and for say 5 10 20 years there's nothing wrong with that it's holding things in place but then one day your body gets to a point where its resiliency and its pliability and its strength and and uh, elasticity start to falter and fail and those old scars now become more relevant because they can break down without really building back up. Your body doesn't recognize it as an alteration in the way the anatomy should be. And so when you get to that point, you have just a little bit of looseness in the structural stability of your neck, 
And those muscles that entwine the occipital nerve, for instance, now have to overwork to compensate for just that little bit of give in the ligaments uh, that were injured maybe 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. Now that also goes into the play that when somebody has a 20-year-old history of a neck injury, they weren't living in a bubble for those 20 years. They might have just slept kind of funny, strained their neck, strained their jaw, other things that can have an effect on how their neck biomechanics are during that entire time. So it's cumulative over yeah. time. And that little, little ligament thing that was not a problem earlier, all of a sudden the fail-safes that were built in, they're not there anymore. anymore. Yeah, the adage of how do you boil a frog comes to mind. <laughs> I don't know how to boil a frog. <laughs> There's this adage where if you want to boil a frog, you just turn the heat up slowly. And the frog just kind of gets keeps getting used to the heat. And then it gets to a point where it's like, holy crap, I'm really hot. And then by that point, it's just too late. And then it's cooked. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so same thing happens in our body is that these adaptations, these changes take place over a slow period of time. So we become kind of complacent to it. You're like, ah, I just slept funny. Ah, my neck hurts a little bit. But then it gets to a point where things have accumulated. The frog is cooked. And now you're like, I want a solution right now. <laughs> and, and the body just doesn't work that way. It takes time to make changes uh, other than uh, unless we're doing some kind of radical, massive change. And those kinds of changes like surgery are not clean. There's There are always scars and always deficits to... A radical change like that so I like the analogy that you have with uh, the oil change with the, the cutting through the, the engine block right yeah 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 so if you haven't heard that before it's kind of like you know instead of getting your oil changed on a regular basis you just have to cut the uh, cut the frame to get to the engine and then cut the engine to get to the uh, to the oil to change it and then you stitch it everything stitch everything back together well when you don't you when you do that, you don't have the same level of integrity as the original build of the machine. So any kind you, anytime we're invading the body with that level of invasiveness, we're kind of doing a trade-off of one problem for another problem down the road. Mm-hmm. So point of that being that these headaches may have started with a neck injury that happened years ago, but if it goes uh, untreated or undiagnosed, we don't make the connection that the headache, the frequent headaches you're getting are necessarily, necessarily the result of the minor crick in your neck that you get periodically. It's another big reason that they, whoever is out there in uh, the internet land, they need to listen to uh, their bodies and report back to whoever's helping them out by looking at not only their neck, but also their jaw, their upper back, and all of these biomechanics if they're having chronic headaches, because all of these things can lead up to a headache. It's all the little moving parts that are up into there that integrate together, especially at the jaw, the head, and the neck interface. Yeah, I, I really live by the concept that the knee bone's connected to the elbow bone. Mm-hmm. Uh, whenever somebody comes in complaining about headaches, for instance, I, that's exactly what we're looking at, is we're not just trying to numb the pain and the headache, we're looking at all the different connective parts. We break down our workup into regions because we know that whenever if you've got a problem in your wrist or your elbow it's not just your wrist and elbow it's likely involving your shoulder and your neck and your upper back because all of those pieces work together and getting an understanding of how they integrate 
it's not an easy process. And frankly, it wasn't something that I was taught in medical school. It's really been in post-training uh, education, collaboration, conversations with people outside my own field. Like having Dr. Escaloni on staff has been incredibly helpful because his in-depth knowledge of body mechanics has complemented my knowledge of cellular and uh, repair mechanisms of the body. It's that integration that really helps us understand the fact that somebody who comes in with a headache, it's not just this nebulous, unanswerable question of why. When you start to dig into it, there are a lot of reasons. There's still a lot of unknowns, but there are a lot of really solid reasons that necks can cause headaches. Now, another thing that we often address here in the office is that if people have a diagnosis of migraine, they'll also get a good scan of the neck. Yeah. But how does a migraine, a true migraine, get affected by the neck pain? There's a lot of theories around that. I mean, the whole understanding of migraines is really complex. Um, some, at one point, the theory was that it's a vascular problem, meaning that the blood vessels in your brain either dilate or constrict excessively. Um, another theory is that the skin overlying the brain, called the meninges, get irritated and inflamed. I mean, if you look at a joint, the synovial capsule or the sac that holds the, the lubrication, the pneumatic uh, pressure of your joint can get irritated and inflamed and in and of itself be a cause of pain. Well, the same thing I think happens in the brain is when there's an excessive amount of metabolic activity in the brain, like for instance, you're under a lot of stress, you're taking an exam, um, that, that cellular activity, the metabolic activity, is generating a lot of debris, a lot of byproducts. Like for instance, when you turn your engine, the car engine on, there's an exhaust and that exhaust has to go somewhere. If the exhaust starts to accumulate, it can choke the engine and the car stops working. Well, same thing happens in our brains. If there's a blockage in the circulation of the fluid surrounding the brain, if there's uh, excessive metabolic activity, you start to accumulate these byproducts and those byproducts can be irritating to the skin around the brain. So these are theories as to why headaches evolve on the inside, but there's a large number of reasons like originating out of the neck that can cause that too. Because for instance, if your neck is loose or lax and there's a small adjustment in the first or the second levels of your neck, uh, that can actually hinder the flow pattern of the cerebral spinal fluid. That's We abbreviate that in medicine as CSF. And, and changing the flow dynamics of the CSF could actually lead to an accumulation of metabolic byproducts in one part of the brain and maybe an excessive flow in another part of the brain. So there's just an imbalance in the, in the fluid circulation and that accumulation can lead to that meningeal headache that I was talking about, the, the kind of the skin around the brain becoming irritated. So any practitioners out there, if you kind of having a hard time just thinking about that, think of a Chiari malformation. What does right. it do? It stops up the CSF flow. Well, everything's on a spectrum, right? Yeah, exactly. Every, it, truly, everything is on a spectrum. 
Um, and we, we sometimes overlook the subtleties because we're so focused on those massive big brush strokes. Mm -hmm. But at least it's a good starting point for us to have an understanding, then work around that. Yeah. One of the other reasons that I've often been thrown off with headaches is the jaw. Oh, yeah. And this is a, a major cause of headaches. I was kind of oblivious to this for a number of years, and it wasn't until I'd say maybe the past several years that I started to understand how much the jaw can influence the presence of headaches. Oh, yeah. I tell patients all the time, if you just take your thumb and use that uh, fingernail and just place it behind your jaw, uh, right underneath your ear, in that space of your fingernail, you're touching your jaw, your neck, and your head. So it would make sense that if something's not moving right at your jaw, well, the other two joints that are right there are going to have to twist and pretzel themselves around in order for you to keep your eyes level at the horizon and be able to open your jaw in the right direction to talk as much as we're doing right now. Yeah, I, I will take that even a step further. If you look at the deeper tissue from the muscular connections right in that area, that kind of the corner of your jaw beneath your ear, that area is wrought with potential problems. I mean, there's major blood vessels that go into the brain at that spot. There's, I'd say, half a dozen really critical nerves that run through that area. Your vagus nerve, your phrenic nerve, these are nerves that control the auto automatic functions of the body, like how quickly your food digests or how your heart picks up its rate when you're exercising. These are all controlled by uh, the vagus nerve or influenced by the vagus nerve and then the phrenic nerve is uh, the the nerve that helps you breathe mm -hmm. so without that your diaphragm motion is altered and uh, we all know that our body has very sensitive needs to oxygen to elimination of carbon dioxide and if you're not if you're not breathing well the accumulation of carbon dioxide in the blood dramatically changes the circulation patterns of your body uh, so in and of, of themselves that those any one of those elements could could indirectly cause a headache now i don't know of any studies that have looked at that but in theory i can definitely make a link between that region of the body and any alteration in that region leading to downstream headaches another very simple one is if anybody just goes on to google scholar I'm sorry, not even Google Scholar, Google Images, and look at the temporalis muscle on the side of your head. Right. Yeah, just as another framework, look at the deltoid muscle, and then look at the hip abductor. It's the same type of patchwork on the side of your head that covers up everything, just like the side of your shoulder and the side of your hip. It's huge. Yeah. And it's got a tiny little tendon right in front of your ear. Now, if something's going on with your jaw, you've injured your jaw, that entire muscle will start to spasm up, have pain. And if somebody has a headache and they say, and we see this is a big part of it's from the jaw, well, that's going to be right above their ear, right in the temples area. Mm -hmm. And they can pretty much tell you. They poke there. It's very sore just to touch it. And yeah. that's another reason how a jaw strain can add to headaches. And then considering where the temporalis attaches to the fascia at the top of the head, the galea capitis, that can add to an entire headache cascade. Yeah, not to get too nerdy about this, <laughs> but, but your auriculotemporal nerve is also running through that area. Yeah. So any one of those things could be a result of headaches. Now, Botox, people use that all the time. It helps by relaxing those muscles, but we want to reach the source of the problem and ask, well, why are those muscles spasming up? It's not until we really understand the dynamics of 
all of the things involved where band-aid solutions where you have to keep coming back and getting them treated over and over we can't get to the bottom of that without understanding the root causes that's what makes wellward unique we're more than a clinic we're really a new direction in healthcare looking at the origin of problems as opposed to just band-aiding them so whether it's something as minor as like a small crick in your neck or as major as debilitating crushing headaches it we like to look down the path of origin and figure out why is this happening to begin with and only in doing so we're able to really resolve a problem as opposed to uh, band-aided and see the patient back in a few months or weeks mm -hmm. so if you found this to be helpful please look us up on youtube our facebook page and instagram have co uh, constant streams of information about your body and your health or you can call our patient care navigator at 859-275-4878 or 275 hurt and we'll get you scheduled for the care that you deserve so for all of us here at Wellward, I'm Dr. Donish. And I'm Dr. Escaloni. And we wish you joy and growth on your Wellward way.